Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Uh, today in our, in our passage, in our teaching text, uh, we're going to talk about patience. Interestingly, nobody said amen in first service either, so we seem to be tracking about the same here today. <laughs> there we go. Uh, about Show of hands, how many would say uh, that you're a pretty patient person, like you're doing okay? You know, maybe give yourself a... <laughs> Somebody outright said no last service, so, you know, uh, that's awesome. Uh, we think of patience kind of as like the daily aggravations, right, of like our struggle with the things that frustrate us. Like I found a couple pictures online that, <laughs> for me, portray patience or our battle with patience. I had my patience tested, and I'm negative. Amen. Been there. I got another one. Lord, please give me patience, because if you give me strength, I'm going to need bail money too. Yep, been there, right? And one more Patience is what you have when there are too many witnesses. Can I get an amen to that one? <laughs> like this is where our minds go when we think of patience, right? Let's, I want to just conduct an experiment today. and We're going to just by a show of hands. Nobody's keeping score. Nobody's going to call you out. So just relax. Just exhale a minute. But if any of these things are true for you, I just want you to throw your hand up. Y'all are good. You're just saying, I'm impatient. If any of these things are true for you, just raise your hand. Uh, you can put it back down. But um, do you drink coffee that you know already is too hot to drink, but you just got to have it now? Do you, do, yeah, I, I see some of y'all out there. Then you can't taste your food the rest of the day. Do you walk up and down the cash register line at the store trying to find a short line? Yeah. Bonus points, do you size up the person running the register to see how fast you think they'll be? Yep. <laughs> do you think that three minutes is too long to wait in the drive-through line? Like this, I'm bad at this one because if the line's wrapped around the building, I'm just going to go hungry. Like, I ain't sitting there. Yep, 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 yep. All right. Do you feel like smashing your phone or flushing it down the toilet if a web page or an app takes more than about three and a half seconds to load? <laughs> I feel you. We are a notoriously impatient people, aren't we? Like it's a part of our everyday experience that we tend to want things now. I do. I do. So as we approach the scriptures and we read about patience, is it possible that the writers of scripture and that the Lord is trying to get us to see maybe some subtle ways or not so subtle ways that our daily impatience in our world and our life experience has made its way, it's crept into our walk and our journey with Jesus? Is it possible 
that our impatience of our everyday lives has made its way into our relationship with the Lord. As we continue in our teaching series through James today, he's going to call us to a challenge again. We've kind of come accustomed to him calling us out, if you will, on how we're living our lives in light of our faith in Jesus. And and today, he's going to help us to see the necessity of seeing all of our lives, yes, even our impatience and perseverance in the light of God's kingdom, in the light of his truth and his redemption story. Would you turn with me today to James chapter 5? We're going to begin in verse 7. James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7, we're going to read down through the balance of Verse 11, 7 11 today. So, James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7, he says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Verse 9, he says, do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. I, I don't know about you, but when I come to the scriptures and I read something about patience, my mind generally goes to the things we opened up the service with or our time together of long lines or slow phones. Like that's normally where my mind goes. And it is true, yes, we need to be gracious and patient and kind in those moments. But I, I think James is calling us to a little bit more. Within our text today, he's reminding us and he's helping us to see that there is a patience. There is a call for the Jesus follower that is far more important, that is far bigger scale than just how patient we are in long lines. He's helping us to see the necessity of our patience and ability to wait on God. Our patience, our willingness to wait on God especially, especially within the seasons of trial and difficulty that are so prevalent in our everyday lives. Will we trust him? We trust him. As we looked at last week, the beginning of chapter 5 and verses 1 through 6, James was doing something a little unique there in his writing. He was actually pulling out of talking to the church, and he was addressing those who were outside the church, the evil rich people who were outside the church and who were persecuting Christians and those who worked for them in so many different things. And, and he, in addressing that group of people, he was trying to help his readers that were within the church, that were under these hard times, he was trying to help them to see that there is an end coming for those who prevail in wickedness and evil, that there is a day coming when those things will be reckoned with by God. So James has kind of brought in a literary device here to help his church, to help his people, his readers see that there is a day coming, that evil will not prevail forever, that there is righteous vindication coming in the day of the Lord. And and when we see and when we consider the oppression and the persecution and, yes, the adversity that James's original audience faced, like this call to patience, this call to perseverance, this call to have an eternal mindset was a steep one because they were being harassed at work, their kids were getting picked on at school, like they had to meet in secret, like persecution was happening 
that's the environment, that's the call that James is saying, hey, look, 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 I know it looks easy out there, but there's a day coming when out there the evil that's happening is going to be dealt with. You inside the church, you all need to be patient. You need to frame your worldview around God's perspective. And yes, his timeline. James throughout our text reminds us of the Lord's return, of the Lord's return and judgment. And he's helping us to see that that is the story that we are living. That's the reality of our every day. And I can just be honest enough to say, sometimes doesn't that seem far away? Doesn't that seem removed sometimes? But throughout our text today, he's going to remind us that it is near. That it is near the day when the Lord will make things right. It's right on the horizon. Would you pray with me as we open up today in our text? Lord, today uh, we want to humble our hearts before you, Lord. Um, To, yes, consider our patience with long lines and slow phones. But, Lord, may we be honest with ourselves in our waiting on you. Lord, do I trust you? Lord, do I trust that you can handle it? That your time's perfect? Lord, will you speak to us today through your scriptures? Open our hearts, Lord, and may we humble ourselves before you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. As we go and dive back into verse 7, I I want to encourage you to just think about a question. And and yes, it's in that prayer, but am I trusting the Lord? Am I willing to wait carefully, calmly, and yes, patiently on the Lord and his timing for no other reason than I trust him? Do you trust him today? Do you trust him? Let's dive into verse 7. We'll unpack and tease out a little bit of the language and what James is doing here in his thinking. He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. Now, one of the first things we know as we've continued in our study today, we see that he returns to his familiar language of brothers and sisters. So this is no longer about them out there. This is about us in here, those who are reading his letter. And so this is a call to say that patience is not just for them. Patience is for you and it's for me. James is bringing his teaching back into the context of the church. And this idea to be patient is to exhibit self-restraint in the face of opposition and, yes, even aggravation and frustration. Patience is really the opposite of being hot-headed. Patience is the opposite of being quick-tempered or to have a short fuse. To be patient is to be slow to anger. And we know from the Psalms that that is the nature of God the Father, that he is slow to anger as he is revealed in uh, Psalm 86, verse 15. In patience, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church in Galatia, he would write that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. That means that it's something that the Spirit is working from within us as opposed to something we put on ourselves. It's a work of the Lord within us. Here, just a few weeks ago, I, I walked into a, a local restaurant, and I was running a little behind, and it was my fault, as it always is. I was a little tight on schedule, and I was hoping to eke out just a couple minutes that I could collect my thoughts before my next appointment. And so I, I w- walk into the restaurant, and 
I see a person ahead of me in line, and this beloved person who is made in the image of God and is dearly loved was playing 21 questions with the person at the register. Well, that was all good for the first two minutes, right? Like, I've been practicing at this patience thing. So the first two minutes, I was golden. I, you know, I'm just waiting. Patience, right? Well, what turned into 21 questions I think must have been an extensive interview because minutes three through five really started to show what was going on in my heart because I could start to feel that feeling, you know what I'm saying, where you feel that rising angst, that little bit of tinge of burn, that grit of your teeth, and it starts to manifest itself, right? As you're standing there in line, you start to get, you get fidgety. I don't know, like you tap your feet or, you know, you're checking your watch or you're scrolling your phone. Like you feel that impatience coming. Well, I, in minutes three through five of this interview, I started to realize that that's going on inside of my heart, in my mind. And in that moment, I, I could hear the voice of the Lord. Barely, I could hear the voice of the Lord saying, let it go. Let it go. It's not, it's not their fault you're late. Let it go. Now, I would confess to you that that voice was a lot quieter than one that was saying, get out of the way. But there's this sense where self-help got me through the first three to five minutes, but it was the voice of the Lord that was trying to get me to see beyond that time frame. Because the necessity of patience that we're looking at here in Scripture today, yes, is about five minutes. But what happens when we need patience for five days? What happens when we need patience for five weeks? What happens when we need patience for five years? I don't know about you, but my self-help's gone. I need something. I need a work of the Lord in my heart to give me a totally renewed perspective, a totally renewed heart posture to endure that kind of waiting. And so what James and I believe the Apostle Paul were trying to get us to see here that this is a work of the Lord in our hearts and in our lives. Yes, there's a place for self-help and deleting emails and counting backwards for 10. There's a place for that. But what he's trying to get us to see is that there is a heart posture given by Christ Jesus that looks at things differently, that can just surrender the angst and the urgency to say, yes, Lord, whatever it is, to be patient. For James and Paul, being patient is more than just surface-level reactions to things. It's a heart posture that's willing to endure opposition and, yes, frustration. It's a heart posture. From here, James moves on in his text to help us to see why this is so important. Why does this matter? Why does this heart condition matter? And he reminds us that we are living in light of the Lord's glorious return. That's the timetable that every one of us is living on. And so scripture tells us that the Lord is returning and upon his return that he's going to execute judgment upon all those who do evil. This will be the day that evil is dealt with, that it is reconciled and the righteousness of God prevails for eternity. And he's saying that, look, look, this is the story that you're living in. Be patient because that day is coming. It's up to the Lord to make things right. It's up to the Lord to vindicate things. So we see in this that, yes, we are to be patient. We're to be advocates for justice. We're to seek to do good. We do all we can do to promote the cause of righteousness, but at the end of the day, we have a settled and steadfast confidence that it is the Lord that will, in fact, make things right. 
that we are, in fact, living in his timetable. Now, friends, I, my news feed looks like yours. That's something to think about this week, isn't it? As we hear stories of the tragedy that's happening in our world, is to be reminded that we're living in a different time frame. Yes, we're, we're going to pray. We're going to seek to do good. But we're also going to resolutely trust that God will make a way and he will make things right. It's a call to stand firm. To not be wavered. To be pressed off center by the challenges that are before us. And as, as James was trying to, to paint a word picture here for his original audience, he, he brings in the patience of a farmer. Now, I know some of y'all probably already starting to itch about spring gardening, right? Like you just can't wait for that day. You can plant something in the ground and eat fresh veggies again. But there's in this picture that James is painting, and you, you have to understand like agriculture was everything to this group of people. This culture didn't have Walmart. They didn't have long lines at the store. <laughs> They just had to wait for God to do his thing with the growth. So there's this picture that the farmer is working and tending the ground as much as he possibly can, but there is a point at which we have to sit back and wait for the Lord to bring the rains that the crops need. And he's saying, hey, you too, that's how we're to be patient. Do all you can do for the cause of righteousness, but at the end of the day, pray and trust and stand firm that it is the Lord who will bring about righteousness. He continues on, he says in verse 8, he says, you too, be patient. Just like the farmer, you too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. And, and James again here is giving us two direct commands, two things to do, if you will. And, and he's saying, be patient. Yes, we've, we've got that, we've unpacked that. But then he tacks on this idea of being perseverance, of, of standing firm. Now, if you unpack the original language here, it, it would say something like strengthen your hearts. Strengthen your hearts. This is a call for the believer to stand on the promises of God, to gird up your courage, to stand there and be patient in the middle of that hard thing. In the middle of that thing that you just want to be over, gird up your hearts, strengthen your hearts, and stand firm. James is, is revealing a little bit more of his wisdom here. He understands that our hearts grow weary under trial. That we get tired of waiting on the Lord. I, I don't know about you, but I, you know, suffering comes, I want out. You know, when hard time comes, we're, look, we're looking for that right exit. We're trying to alleviate that pain, that suffering, those things. We can grow weary when it doesn't stop. James saying, look, no, no, no. Look to the Lord as the source of your strength. Gird up your heart. Strengthen your heart for these days of trial and tribulation. Be patient and stand firm. Because, friends, what happens when our hearts grow weary, when we get tired of waiting, we can give up our hope. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to that point, and, and maybe you're there today? You, you've waited so long on something that you just gave heart was weary, tired of waiting. 
You see, that weariness can cause us to doubt the Lord. That weariness that we experience in waiting can cause us to think that that day that he's returning, that day that he's going to make it right, will never come. That's the danger of a weary heart, is that we can give up on God. James is saying, look, 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 you have to strengthen your heart in those moments. In the middle of that pain and that suffering and those trials, you have to find that place of faith and locking eyes with Jesus to stand firm and trust him. And it's within these seasons of hard and difficult times of suffering that James' call to patience for perhaps finds its deepest significance. We start to understand that James is after something more than just a kind response to a long line. He's asking us for an unwavering commitment, a steadfast commitment in our hearts to trust the Lord in his timing, even amidst the challenges we're facing or the suffering that we're enduring. That's where we need the patience and the perseverance most. James moves on verse 9 and he pulls in another dimension here he says don't grumble against one another brothers and sisters or you will be judged the judge is standing at the door Uh, would you do me a favor this morning if you're able would you mind just standing up so so far in our text uh, we we understand that there's some hard things happening that the need of patience falls on every one of us There's frustrating things, there's suffering happening in the lives of believers, and James is calling us to patience and perseverance. I want you to just for a moment, would you you take a look around the room? Now don't stare at anybody, that's going to get weird, but, but look around the room. See who is with you in this moment. Go ahead, look around, look around. Like, it's hard to believe, but pre-COVID, we used to, like, shake hands in the service. Anybody remember that? That was, like, land before time, but anyway. So you, you see people with you, right? You see who's here in the room. You see stories. You see faces. If you don't know their name, start next week. But you see stories and you see faces. Now, I want you to consider this with me for just a moment. If what James is saying is true today, every person that you saw today, that you see in this moment, is dealing with a burden, a suffering, a heartbreak that you have no idea of. Every person we see is carrying a burden we have no concept that they're dealing with. How does that change us? You can be seated this morning. I, uh, I'm a pretty significantly backward introvert. Um, so that makes me very naive of people and what's happening you know, I, if they give me a smile and I'm good, I, I, an introvert just goes with that. So I tend not to see behind the curtain of people's lives very much. But I, I, if I'm honest, one of the single biggest surprises that I have encountered since God called me into ministry, one of the things that surprised me the most and to this day does is the amount of pain, the amount of brokenness, the amount of suffering that people live with every single day. People that are to your left or to your right. 
people that you're going to greet and drink a cup of coffee with after service, people you're in your life group with are suffering through things that are crushing, and we have no concept. They're waiting on test results. They're terrified of what tomorrow might bring. And again, I, I think this is one of these places where we see just how sharp James was when he was dealing with, or when he was leading and dealing with his people. Because he says, look, 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 he's, he's talking about patience. He's given us this vertical dimension about our need to be patient with the Lord and to live in his time frame. And then he takes it horizontal and says, look, you need to be patient with one another. You don't have a clue what they're dealing with. Because he, he understood in those moments that, that when we're under pressure, when we're under that stress, our tendency is to lash out at one another. Now, I know I'm not the only person that's ever done that. Because have you ever heard the saying, home is where you go when you're tired of being nice? Like, that's real, ain't it? You, you, you suffered through all day and you finally make it home, and boy, those poor pitiful people at home. We lash out when we're under that pressure. And so he's given us a twofold call here. Yes, we need to be self-aware of that tendency. But yes, we also need to be extenders and givers of grace. Because we have no concept really of what's happening in somebody's life. Now He's not getting us to excuse bad behavior or to excuse abusive behavior. But he's just trying to get us to peel back the curtain a little bit. To just extend grace first rather than criticism. To extend grace first rather than anger. The need to be patient, yes, is in our walk with the Lord. But yes, it is within our relationships with one another. And friend, can we just for a moment imagine the difference that that would make in the life of the church. If every, every time someone said something at church that you didn't agree with or that seemed harsh, that we just said, okay, Lord, I don't know what that person's been through today. I'm going to choose to forgive. What difference would that make? Yes, in our context here, what difference would that make in our witness to our community that God has called us to reach? Because I, I don't think people in the community are interested in a church that's bickering. They want to see that Jesus is real. That the power that we say he has really does transform our hearts. It really does transform our patience and our relationships with one another and our willingness to endure and persevere. People want to see Jesus real in our lives. So James's call here is, yes, a, a patient call with the Lord to see his timing. And it's, yes, a patient call to be gracious and kind to one another because chances are we don't know what we're dealing with what that other person is dealing with as James uh, concludes his teaching he, he moves on to give us some examples from scripture he looks to the prophets then to Job and in verse 10 and 11 he says brothers and sisters as an example of patience hey you want to see how this looks let's look to the scriptures he says that as, as an example of patience in the face of suffering take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. 
In his example here, he doesn't tell us the specific prophet that he has in mind here. But it would have been so well known as it is even in our day that the prophets suffered at the hands of the people. Because God had given them a message that was hard, that was judgment coming on the surrounding nations, and they had to go proclaim it to everyone. They weren't exactly popular. And so their own people treated them harshly. Yes, the leaders of the nations treated them harshly, and certainly people outside of God's people treated them very harshly because they often had very harsh words to say. But yet they were faithful to God's call. And so James is helping us to see that, look, though they suffered, though they endured many hard times, they were faithful to proclaim the good news of God, to proclaim the word of God to the people. And then he moves on in his final example, and he pulls in Job. Now, Job was, is an Old Testament character. His story comes pretty early chronologically in, in the Old Testament text. And he was a devout, God-fearing man, and he was doing all right. I mean, he had a farm, a family, and he was doing okay. Well, through a course of events that was all under God's sovereignty, he pretty much lost everything he had. All his, his children, his farm, his money, and even his health has deteriorated to where he is suffering pretty badly and even this guy's poor friends came over and needless to say they didn't offer him a lot of encouragement but through this time James is pointing to him because he persevered in patience through many trials and many different things Job persevered he never let his faith extinguish that God would see things made right Job is a great example of patience and suffering, and, and, and that's, that in and of itself is great. But what you know what's interesting about Job's story, and that's why I think James pulls it out here, is that Job didn't do it perfectly. If you go back and read his account, boy, he, he wrestled a little bit, didn't he? He struggled a little bit. He cried out to God, Lord, why? What have I done to deserve this? Why are, you why are you doing this? Why are you treating me that way? Job wrestled and struggled with the things that were going on in his life, yet, yet, he persevered. He persevered. And he lived to see a day where the Lord restored him. William Barclay has a quote talking about Job's example of patience. He said, Job's example is no groveling, passive, unquestioning submission. Job struggled and questions and sometimes defied, but the flame of faith was never extinguished in his heart. So perhaps the question that's posed to us today is how's the flame of your heart in the middle of your suffering? I don't know about you, but I, I appreciate James's use of Job here because my patience is not perfect. Because it's more than just the person conducting an interview at the cash register, right? Like it's a willingness to endure, to, to see a different horizon in the middle of those hard times. I, I have a tendency to want to avoid that stuff, to find the easy quick out. My patience is not necessarily there to stand firm and to be still and to trust God. My first instinct is to run. Get this over with. Like that's, that, We recognize that in our human experience, right? But James is saying, look, look, look. You find that strength of the Lord within you to stand, to be patient. Yes, to trust. 
that there's coming a day where God will make things right. Will we trust him and his word? Today, um, James hasn't sugarcoated much. He's pretty blunt that there's some real hard things happening in our human experience. And I'm sure more than one of you could give an amen to that reality today. But throughout this, James has framed this encouragement within the reality that the Lord's coming is soon. And that makes me ask a question, what if that was today? What if today was the day that the Lord was returning to make things right? How would he find me waiting? In the middle of that hard place, in the middle of that trial that we would just as soon be over or have never entered into, how would the Lord find me waiting today? See, that's how we're to live. We're to live ready. That's the urgency of this message of patience. Stand firm, friends. Stand in Jesus. In that hard place. Look to Him. He's the source of strength. There's no self-help count to ten backwards thing that's going to do it. It's a heart transaction. What would it look like today for you to take that stand? In the middle of that place. What would it look like today to say, Lord, I trust you. I don't see it. It makes no sense, but I trust you. What would that look like today in your life? In response to our message today, we are going to um, receive communion together. And communion is a sacrament where we remember the life, the death, the resurrection, and yes, the coming again of Christ Jesus. Through this sacrament, through the bread and the cup, we remember patience of Jesus. His perseverance, his willingness to endure the suffering because he trusted the Father. And so today, friends, we have an opportunity to just partake in that with him through the sacrament of communion. You don't have to be a member of the church here to receive the elements. We just ask that you be in earnest and sincere seeking of the Lord. And if you're not there today, you can sit in your seat. Nobody's going to come drag you to the table. But I just want you to know, friend, that any time we say no to the Lord, we're not guaranteed another chance. And friends, I, my story's full of times I said no to the Lord. It's grace. He gave me another chance. So I invite you today to receive communion. The elements are prepared. There's a table in the front and there's three in the back. What does it look like for you today to take a stand? A stand in Jesus.
As you partake of the bread today, remember that it is Christ's body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance that Christ died for you. Be thankful. And as you partake of the cup, know that it is Christ's blood shed for you. Drink it in remembrance that Christ died for you. Be thankful. Will you trust him today? In the middle of that place maybe nobody knows about. As the band plays, you can make your way to the tables and receive the elements as the Lord leads. Moments of seeking. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.